Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community, and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. This week, I continue discussions with key stakeholders in their research that is comparing pasture-raised beef and lamb against grain-finished and protein alternatives. On the show, I have Dr. Lovedeep Kaur from Massey University and the Reddit Institute to find out about her involvement in the research. Let's check in with her now. Hello, Lovedeep. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for providing me the opportunity, Angus. Good to be here. Please, can you tell me about the work that you do? Um, I'm a senior research officer based at the School of Food and Advanced Technology um, at Massey University. And I'm also an investigator in the Reddit Institute, which is the National Center of Research Excellence um, in the area of foods. So um, my role involves teaching of food chemistry related courses at the school. And um, I'm also uh, responsible for doing research on um, different aspects of food technology uh, including understanding the relationships between food structure, uh, food processing, and how they impact um, digestion of major nutrients, you know, which are, which are present in foods such as uh, proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. So this sort of understanding is really important uh, when we, um, as food technologists, you know, uh, try to design new and healthy foods for the future and also for informing the consumers about what is in their food that they normally consume. Now, previously I talked with Dr. Scott Knowles from Ag Research on stage one of the research that we're talking about today. He gave me an insight into the differences in the nutritional makeup and composition of pasture-raised beef and lamb versus grain-finished beef and lamb, and indeed meat alternatives. Today we are discussing the second stage of the research, which explores how the human digestion system responds to the different foods in stage one and how their nutrients are then absorbed by the body. Firstly, can you give me a quick rundown on how the digestive system works? Sure. Um, so what happens is after processing, when we process the food, when the food is ready for consumption, uh, the first step uh, is, is to take a bite, of course, and mm. start chewing in the mouth. So what happens is chewing leads to the disintegration of food to a small particle size, as we all know. Um, so it mixes with the saliva with the help of our tongue moments. So saliva um, contains digestive enzymes like salivary amylases. You know, these are the enzymes which break down uh, the food or the carbohydrates in the food. Mm -hmm. And there are some other secretions as well present in the saliva that helps breaking down the food. So here it's, um, it is turned into a bolus, a small bolus or a small ball-shaped structure, which goes down through our esophagus um, into the stomach. So one thing which is very interesting is that the chemical environment in the mouth and the chemical environment in the stomach and the small intestine, they are very, very different or you know, entirely different. So in the mouth, we have nearly neutral pH. Uh, so pH is an indicator of how acidic your food is or how alkaline your food is. Um, so neutral is more like water-like, um, you know, which is not acidic, not, nor, um, nor uh, alkaline. So alkaline is soda-like, of course, you know, and, and, and acidity is, uh, we're all familiar with, it's very sour, or if it's more acidic, then we, we can also say that it's bitter. 
So when the food goes down to the stomach, it's highly acidic environment there. So some um, some more digestive juices are released there in the stomach. Um, and these juices include acid. Um, so it's very strong acid, mm-hmm. hydrochloric acid. And some protein digesting enzymes are released um, along with some other you know, salts and other enzymes as mm-hmm. well. So, but majority of the um, the protein digestion occurs in in the stomach. Mm-hmm. So, food is further digested um, there, um, not only by the action of the enzymes or the chemicals which are released in the stomach, but also we have the contractile movements of the stomach wall, which helps uh, in the physical breakdown and the movement of the food towards the small intestine as well, mm-hmm. because we need to, you know move the food uh, the food further down the tract. So, um, so there is some digestion going on in the stomach and then slowly, you know, as the food is digested, it moves on to the small intestine and in the small intestine, uh, the more digestive enzymes are secreted for further food digestion. So it's a very complicated process. I'm trying to mm. explain it. And it is in the small intestine where the food is absorbed through the lining of the small intestine. So there's no absorption occurring in the stomach, but it's mainly in the small intestine where it's, uh, the food is uh, broken, completely broken down or, you know, majority of the food is broken down. And then it's, it's absorbed through the lining of the small intestine there. And there uh, it enters a bloodstream for delivering to the cells to, you know, to use to do a range of different functions, so including building muscle or providing an energy source or um, you know, building new cells and things like that. So there is still some food um, which is undigested mm. at that stage as well. So which goes further down into our small intestine, uh, into our large intestine, or we also say colon, mm. where there is there are no enzymes as such but there are bacteria present there so they act on the food and convert to several desirable as well as undesirable metabolites so undigested protein reaching the colon has been linked with several diseases you know mm-hmm. of the digestive system so coming back to the digestibility uh, or how much amount of protein is digested that we use the term digestibility mm-hmm. Uh, which refers to uh, the amount of nutrients that will potentially be digested or absorbed uh, in the human body. So this is not the same as the amount of a food consumed because you can't, can't always remove all the nutrients from a food when you digest uh, the food. So we test the digestibility uh, through um, using artificial or in scientific terms, we also say in vitro systems. So in our laboratory, we have simulators that can mimic the human digestive tract. And mm-hmm. we often use these simulators to screen if we have a number of food samples uh, before selecting samples for clinical trials, because it's, it's a lot easier to, to use um, the laboratory models than to ask humans to come in and consume food and then we take the blood sample and you know, so, so on. Yes. So, so, so that, that's, that's, um, you know, that's what uh, we have used for this study as well. Yeah, fantastic. And Scott mentioned the same uh, last week too in terms of much easier to simulate the process uh, than use uh, humans to start with. One of the big questions I have, I guess, is have you have you found any differences in the way protein is digested between the three subjects in the research? Yes, uh, for the differences, um, so when we're talking about the differences among the grain-finished or pasture-raised beef, yeah. um, we found no differences uh, in the way the meat was digested among these two production systems. 
But we did find that um, the plant-based alternative that we tested had lower protein digestibility than meat in general. Mm. So, so we can say that you know beef is highly digestible; it breaks down more efficiently than than the plant-based alternative uh, that we tested. But there was no no differences among the, the two production systems. Mm. So, um, yeah. So, so plant and animal, um, you know, proteins uh, they have different structure, they have different composition. So, which could possibly be the reason we're thinking for the differences that we observed in the digestibility. Mm. Can you explain a bit about the different fats and fatty acids found in beef, for example, and how they impact the body? Yes. Uh, so. Beef, um, you know, uh, it contains saturated as well as unsaturated fatty acids. So depending, you know, the quantities vary um, depending on the meat cut uh, that you're consuming. So we will have different amounts of saturated fatty acids in a lean cut of meat than in a fatty cut of meat, for example. So uh, so meat contains high levels of uh, saturated fatty acids. Uh, So these saturated fats, you know, people... Uh, it, you know, it has generally been linked uh, or thought to be a bad fat, but increasingly, science evidence is showing that not all the saturated fatty acids that belong to this class of saturated fat are bad for health. So there is increasing, you know, scientific evidence coming up, and uh, they say that high consumption of some saturated fatty acids, such as palmitic acid, for example they have been linked with adverse health outcomes. So these are not only found in animal foods, but also plant oils, um, including coconut and palm oils, uh, which are sometimes added in processed foods and including including these plant-based meat alternatives. Mm. So meat also contains some good fatty acids, um, which are linked with potential health benefits such as omega-3 fatty acids, um, you know, they're, they're very long, the science names, uh, DHA, we say in short term, uh, short mm. form DHA and EPA, they have been linked with better cardiovascular uh, health. So these are usually found in fish and seafood. And there are worldwide guideline, uh, dietary guidelines, um, so, you know, that recommend the, uh, the, the use of these, um, these fatty acids. Um, in the diet. Did you find any difference in the total amount of fats and fatty acids between beef protein, for example, and plant-based alternatives? We found uh, that the pasture-raised meat released lower amounts of um, some saturated fats Hmm. that have been linked with adverse health outcomes. So the pasture-raised meat also released higher amounts of omega-3 fatty acids, which are previously mentioned, uh, EPA and DHA, compared mm. with grain-finished beef, you know, so dietary intake of these fatty acids um, is considered good for for the cardiovascular health. Mm. So we also know that um, compared to most of the meat cuts that we tested, uh, the plant-based alternative had much higher concentrations of saturated fatty acids released after digestion. Uh, so you know, we're thinking, uh, we're assuming that this could possibly be due to one of the one of its ingredients, uh, the added coconut fat um, in that. So it's, it's a formulated product. So it also contains plant-based oils such as canola, uh, you know, which is a source of some good unsaturated fatty acids as well. 
but the specific omega-3 fatty acids that we found in red meat um, uh, were found to be lacking in this uh, plant-based protein alternative product that we tested. So it's, it's, it's also, you know, I just wanted to mention here that it's an in vitro study. So the results need to be confirmed and validated through clinical trials in humans, which is the next stage of the program. Yeah, sure. It is fascinating work, though. And Scott last week explained that the plant-based alternative he looked at has 19 different ingredients uh, that make up the product, which I personally found a little concerning, especially given the unregulated nature of the product and the industry itself. Um, In general, so far, is the natural product of beef and lamb, for example, better for us than a plant-based alternative, do you think? So one thing uh, which is confirmed is that meat protein is nutritionally superior than most plant proteins. There's no no doubt about that. So plant-based products currently available in the market they are in the processed format, right? Mm. So there are no plant-based products yet in the market which resemble the real meat cuts, for example, steaks or fillets. So so they're all formulated products and they're all trying to resemble uh, the processed uh, meat format, right? Mm. So, and, and, and they're also trying to add things to mimic uh, different ingredients to mimic the taste and texture of meat. And for that... Um, you know, for matching that, uh, so you know, different ingredients are added, uh, but certainly they're not matched for their nutrient bioavailability at the moment. So it's just matching at the moment. They're trying to mimic the taste and texture of meat, but not the nutrient bioavailability of meat. So that still needs to be needs to be done. So coming back to your question, every food provides nutrients, and you know, they have different impact on your health. Mm. So balanced diet containing components to provide you with the ideal mixture that your body needs. So you need protein in the diet, and this can come from either animal or plant protein sources. But the study confirms that meat protein in general, they have high digestibility than food proteins. So this means that most of the proteins are digestible and bioavailable to you when you eat them So you can because you can absorb them. So in my view, um, meat, and I would recommend minimally processed meat, when consumed as part of a balanced diet, would be an ideal approach. Mm, Fantastic. Look, um, it's really interesting work, and I'm enjoying learning and hearing about it, and I look forward to further work and studies that you're doing. So thank you very, very much for your time today. Thank you very much, Angus. I really enjoyed talking to you too. I find this research very interesting and it is highlighting some key benefits for including lamb and beef into a balanced diet. Dr. Kaur says the research highlighted that meat protein is generally higher digestible and meat with higher digestibility is better for your body. Plant proteins are generally known to be less digestible than meat proteins and plant-based meat substitutes showed relatively lower protein digestibility. Dr. Kaur said differences in processing and other non-protein ingredients could also be responsible for the observed differences in protein digestibility. What is also interesting is the findings are showing that meat digested from pasture-raised New Zealand beef showed higher total amounts of free long-chain omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids and lower amounts of free 
long-chain saturated fatty acids than meat from grain-finished cattle. In simple terms, for someone like myself, the role of long-chain saturated fatty acids increases the risk of cardiovascular disease. These findings, and although the research is not complete, it is highlighting nutritional benefits of pasture-raised red meat that we produce here in New Zealand over grain-raised red meat. As far as protein alternatives go, well, given the highly processed nature of these, you would be forgiven for staying well clear. Now that's all from me this week. Thank you for listening, and catch you next time.